is Mercy Harper, writer for research services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm here with Lisa Higgins, President and CEO of APQC, and Bob Chalker, CEO of the Association for Materials Protection and Performance, to talk about fractional executives. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa and Bob. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks, Mercy. So it's not often that we get two CEOs on one episode, and I'm really glad that we could pull that off for this topic because it's a big one. For those who don't know, a fractional executive is a highly experienced C-suite person who serves on a part-time basis, whether on retainer or for a time-limited engagement. And this can be very attractive, especially for smaller companies, startups, and companies that are going through big changes because it allows them to bring in a really powerful leader at a fraction of what that talent would normally cost. And it's not like bringing in a consultant who's going to look at the current state and recommend actions that people should take. Fractional executives are really in the business making and guiding changes. And while this concept has been around for a few years, now it seems to be cropping up just about everywhere. So my first question for you both is, what do you think is driving the fractional C-suite trend? And perhaps, Bob, you could kick us off on this one. Yeah, thank you, Mercy. Um, you know, so, so first I'll answer it for us at AMP. For us, it was a, a combination of we were growing very rapidly as an organization, and the skill set and the knowledge and the expertise we needed was changing fast. And we had gone from uh, being a U.S. centric organization to being global. So we were dealing with international issues. Um, we were becoming more complicated in our financial models and our business models. And, and we needed that knowledge and expertise. Um, but I'll just be blunt. We couldn't afford the cost of a full-time uh, CFO expert. Uh, we looked at a similar model at, for a marketing executive at one point as well, for many of the same reasons. So this the, one of the reasons I think is you need the expertise, but you're not yet as an organization or a company in the position to have it full time. I, the other thing was for us, when we looked at the job, you know, we maybe needed that expertise a day or two a week. The rest of the time, the person would be doing things that could be done by somebody of, um, of a different skill set or, you know, different position. And so it was a job satisfaction issue. We, we really believe that um, a highly qualified uh, CFO would start to get frustrated because, yeah, they're spending 20% of their time working on things that are in their uh, ballpark or where they like to play, but then they were going to spend 80% of their time working on things that were not at that same level of, of talent and skill and need. So I think that's coming into play. Um, I'll be honest, I think you're seeing a lot of new companies and a lot of startups and, you know, as an economy, we've seen a lot of uh, movement to see companies grow. And anytime you're in that growth spurt, there come period in times where you just, you need to tap into it, even if it's four hours or eight hours a week. Mm -hmm. So I think that's part of it. I, I also believe COVID is going to bring a whole new dynamic to this as we look at what do people and how do they want to work. Mercy, we experienced the fractional model in our marketing group, not in our, within the finance group, but within our marketing group. But we experienced it long before I think it became a methodology for companies to go with. So 
Bob and I are going to be able to contrast experiences because our experience wasn't, I don't think, near as positive as his experience has been. Mm. Um, but I think that the approach and methodology has matured over time and is a really good option for organizations. Absolutely. Um, so I think, Bob, can we dive a little bit deeper um, about your experience bringing on that fractional role at AMP? I'm particularly wondering, you know, you talked about kind of some of the big picture factors that led you to choose that path, but then once you, you're you kind of on that path, how did you evaluate options? And then, of course, I'd love to hear about the results so far. Yeah. So I, let, me, let me start by uh, just sharing a little bit of the story. I was actually at a conference, and uh, it was a conference for CEOs of organizations that do what, what we do, associations. And I was talking to a colleague, and um, I knew that that colleague had been through some real struggles uh, in their financial operations. He and I talked before, and he had seen um, some real issues arise, and he was frustrated, and he was not in a very good mood, frankly. And I walked, I ran into him at a cocktail party and he, he had a big smile on his face and he was happy. And I said, what happened? And he said, I discovered fractional CFOs. And he went on to share with me his experience. Um, it was a real turnaround for them because they got somebody who really knew the, what needed to be done and got them on the right path. Now in their model, that person came in for like three months and then help them find a full-time CFO. So that's another reason why a CFO might come in is to clean up when things are not good. Um, got on the right path. That wasn't our situation, but what I was looking for was a, um, a greater skill set and more strategy think thinking and somebody can lead us through some of the things that were coming at us. Um, but it got me thinking that, wait a second, because I've been looking for a CFO and not able to find the match that I was looking for. Um, but that got me thinking. So I went back home and got to my office and got on the internet and started searching under fractional CFOs. And the couple names popped up. And then somebody handed me a book. And it's interesting, Lisa, that you mentioned um, marketing because somebody handed me a book about a fractional marketing model that I read. And it was like, oh, wait a second. This, there's more here than I thought. So I reached out to some different folks that had had experience and I kept getting these positive reports, how it made a difference. So for us, the get there was, it wasn't where we started. We had started looking for a full-time CFO, mm. but weren't able to find, find it. We identified um, three firms that offered fractional CFOs. We interviewed them just like we would have interviewed for a CFO position. One of the things we made very clear is I didn't want to talk I wanted to talk to the people who would be doing the work for us. So some of these firms are small, one person, maybe two person operations. And the person who's running it is also the person who's going to do the fractional work. So others are much bigger consultancy firms, et cetera. But I, I made it really clear, I'm hiring a person, I'm not hiring a company. So I want to talk to the person that would be working with us. Um, we went through an interview process selected the one that we thought was the best fit, um, came to an arrangement on work hours and compensation and his role and responsibilities within the organization, what he wouldn't be responsible for, because I think scope creep in these roles is important. Uh, you know, we all can fill 80 hours a week. It happens all the time. So how do you assure there's scope creep? And then we worked with the organization to make sure that they were seen as part of the team and not 
a stick-on entity. They weren't an outsider, they were an insider. And for us, we gave the person full accountability and responsibility um, that a CFO would have, uh, even signing authority and, and other things like that, that we felt needed to happen if they were gonna be successful. So it was sort of going through that model. Um, it really wasn't different than bringing in a full-time CFO. It's just, they're gonna work few hours a week and you're going to comp you're going to pay them differently so right. and that's uh we used it to bridge the gap so we at the time we couldn't find the marketing person we needed but there was work to be done and so we started looking at the fractional model and i don't think the organization where we uh insourced that particular role was as sophisticated as they are today. Uh, so, so we were able to, we ran into problems like balancing workloads and having subscribed to too many hours for too many companies and not being able mm. to perform well overall. So the, the model didn't work for us in that environment, but what it did do from a positive perspective is it got us through the crunch to where we could find someone and, and hire someone um, actually Amanda Shalyo, our executive director of marketing today. And so it got us through that, what I would call that, that peak period where we didn't have the resources in place to be able to fully leverage our marketing department. Right. Now that makes sense. And so I'm seeing kind of two scenarios here, you know, the getting through the time crunch and kind of bringing on what seems to be, it sounds like, Bob, a longer term potentially solution, would you say? I want to offer one other thing. You know, you, you know we talked about time crunch and, and skill set. There, there is another reason uh, that I heard when I was doing my homework. And that is you have a, a person who has the potential to become the executive, but they aren't quite there yet. And so you want to bring somebody in who's going to coach them and help them get to this level that they need to be to be a successful um, leader. And we actually looked at a, uh, a fractional executive in that model. We ended up not going forward with it. We just didn't find the right person. It was for another area of our, of our business. Um, but I think that's another reason why it makes sense, where it makes sense mm -hmm. is you've, you've got somebody who's got the talent, they're, they're the up and comer, they're showing all the promise. They just don't either have the experience or a certain knowledge and this person comes in to bolster them and help them grow, mentor into the role. Got it. That's a great way to bridge the gap on some skills and get a real quick knowledge dump. So, Bob, do you plan to stick with the fractional CFO model in the longer term? Um, so it was interesting. We we when we went the fractional route, um, we did not see it as a long term position initially. We saw it as a fill the gap bring that strategy in, give us time to assess where we wanna go and what we wanna do as an organization. Um, we had some changes that came along the way. Uh, a merger happened, uh, came across the table and I did not think it was smart to change my CFO in the middle of the merger, plus the organization we were merging with had a CFO. And so, you know, the last thing I wanna do is hire somebody and then have to have a hard conversation in the future because we don't need two CFOs. Um, so we left them in place. That, that worked out fine, but then COVID hit. And again, you're dealing with payroll protection plan and, you know, all these financial things and banking issues and all the things that companies dealt with. Again, it was not the time to make a change 
for the organization. And so, you know, we just stayed in communication, um, talk. He, he was comfortable staying with us for a long-term period. We were comfortable having them. Um, we're coming out of all that now, so we have some decisions to make. And I, right. I really don't know what our answer will be. The, one of the options is that that person could come on full-time. One of the options is we could stay in the model we're in. Um, it's, it's worked. One is that we bring in a different full-time CFO. I, I think one of the things you have to take into consideration when you do this is what are the what are the professional wants and needs of the person who's filling that fractional role? Mm. Um, you know, they have outside business. They, they're working with other companies. How much demand are you putting on their time? And are they able to, to run their business the way they want to run it? Um, you know, I think all business people recognizing having too many um, of your eggs in one basket isn't necessarily healthy. And so for his, his or her business, it's important that they are balancing their customer base and you don't become too much of their, um, you know, where their revenue comes from. The other is, what are they wired for? Uh, some people are wired for the fractional role, and that's why they went into that, because they are, that's where they're most successful. And to come in full-time, you know, that's not where they'll be. So I think it really is an individual decision on each of these. And we're literally in the process now of having discussions with our fractional CFO, as well as within the company as where do we go from here? What, what does the future look like? Right. I wanted to ask you a quick follow-up on that, that customer base, you know, for the fractional roles, um, Bob, I can see how, of course, that, you know, if that gets too, too crazy, then, uh, you know, that can be a huge detriment, but is, are there ways in which that might be an asset for, for your organization and this other person is also working with other companies and seeing other things and, and bringing in that learning. Have, have you experienced that? Um, yes. In fact, I think that is a benefit, right? That they have all that broader experience and they have connections and relationships. And, and I'll give you one when, um, when the payroll protection plan became available, um, you know, a lot of businesses struggled with their banks, particularly the big banks in getting their uh, loans approved. Yes, <laughs> uh, and we were one of those. And because our CFO, our fractional CFO, had banking relationships with other through other companies that they worked with, we were able to make a quick transition to another bank on the relationship that they had with that bank, and got us up and running and got our payroll protection plan mm -hmm. through that bank. So I, it would have been a lot harder if he did not have those relationships. Uh, on the outside. And it, it was because of the banking relationship he had for one of his other clients. That's one of the places that APQC did benefit. Um, we all are subject to, inside of our organizations, doing the things we do because that's the way we do the things we do. And, and really don't stop and ask ourselves why we do certain things uh, in the manner for which we do them. And when we used a fractional marketing executive, what we found was a lot of new ideas and new processes that could be infused into our marketing department that we otherwise um, hadn't thought of. Now, marketing is a little bit different because it's as much art as it is science and finance is more science than it is art, or let's hope it is in most cases. <laughs> let's hope so. Um, um, I hope there's not a lot of creativity there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's not a lot of creativity on the finance side, but on the marketing side, those new ideas led us to 
being able to increase the output of our marketing activities in a way that resulted in more of what we wanted in terms of on the other side, whether it was more leads, whether it was um, lower cost, but we were able to find new processes and new practices that would allow us to try different things that we had never done before. So I think that um, is a real good benefit, whether you're in it for the short term or you're in it for the long term, uh, that is a result that I think will come if an organization is receptive. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. So Lisa, I want to kind of turn to a more recent uh, fractional consideration for APQC. I know that you considered bringing on a fractional CFO, but you ultimately went with a full-time role. So how did you determine that fractional wasn't the right path for the organization at the time in this case? Um, and I think it was largely circumstances at the time. Our CFO, who had been with the center since it was founded, uh, had retired. And we had brought in a new CFO that ultimately, um, for lots of reasons, wasn't the right choice for us or for him. And so we were found ourselves without a CFO. We did uh, experiment with the fractional CFO model. I think two things occurred. One is I hadn't done as much homework as Bob had to ensure that we had interviewed properly on the front end and found the right firm. One of the reasons why I think that occurred was Hurricane Harvey had just hit. It was the year in close. We had had 38 feet of water, um, several million dollars in expenses, and we had to get our books closed for the year. Uh, and so we went with that model, but we didn't have a whole lot of time to develop that person in all the places that we needed to. And so I think I, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't turn to a fractional CFO model again. I absolutely would, especially now that I have matured in my thinking about what is required on the organization's part to make it successful. And I, I accept responsibility for that in our organizations and why we ended up going with a a full-time model. And besides, we found Perry Wiggins and who could resist? <laughs> Absolutely. Totally agree. Uh, yeah. I wanted to ask you also, um, you know, you, you sound like you're open to fractional CFO roles in the future. Um, what kind of, what are some factors that might spark your thinking there besides the, the kind of obvious one of, of someone leaving? Because there are a lot of fractional positions emerging right now. It's not just your traditional um, C-suite roles. There are some you know, digital experience officers available for hire, lots of things. I would love to find someone in the research space, uh, not in an executive role because we have uh, a great leadership uh, in, in that particular area in our business, but our research business ebbs and flows. And so to staff to capacity for the peaks is not only expensive, but uh, is very risky for us. Mm. So I would love to find fractional use in that particular model, both in our quantitative and our qualitative research. I think that would be really good. And I think we do use, um, it's not in the C-suite level. Again, it's in the kind of um, mid-level worker role that we do fractional work with writers today. Mm -hmm. 
We do too. We use them for writers. We our our instructors are all a uh, part-time work base. You could argue fractional. Uh, you know, wh where where's the line between being fractional and being either part-time contractor? I'm not sure where that falls. I mean, in the end, they're yeah. very similar. I think fractional starts to get used for higher level positions, but in the end, we use them across our organization in different places. I think the definition for me on that question, Bob, would be, is their intent to find a permanent job and therefore abandon the role that they're playing for you right. versus mm -hmm. continuum of wanting to pick up different and interesting and thought-provoking work across a broad set of companies where they can dedicate a certain time to each organization and do their best, best work. So yeah, I think there is a blurred line for contractors versus temp employees. I would like to believe that our our the, the writing staff that we use are are purely fractional because that's they do that for a uh, for a company they work for you know a third party company they're sourced through those organizations. I think Mercy, back to your question, the other place I would probably use it um, is in IT, and maybe it's not the 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 C suite level of IT. But it's kind of like the controller. I can see using a fractional controller because you really don't need a controller and a CFO both in full time and a large in a small organization like APQC. But we could use a controller uh, four times a year when mm. when the quarter closes and there's lots to do and there's lots of information year in close that would probably help expedite the cycle time for doing those things in our organization. So I can see it in that, that next tier down being very beneficial, both in finance and in IT. I think, I think one of the uh, challenges with a fractional um, and that you have to really consider when you start looking at this model is how much does the role need to know your organization, right? Because that person's only gonna have limited time to be engaged with your organization. Jobs like CFOs and even to some degree IT, and I would even argue writers, those are jobs there. Yeah, they have to have some understanding of your organization, but ultimately there is a financial process that every company follows or awfully close to it. So you can pick up out of one company and drop into another and, you know, you'll have to learn a few things unique, but you're going to be successful. Um, if it's a job that you really have to know the company, I think it gets a little harder to to be as successful or the person has to be a person who really does have the ability to uh, move in and out of different companies and perform and act differently mm -hmm. uh, with those companies, uh, recognizing their different needs. And I think that's, that's where I find marketing interesting because I think marketing, there are things about marketing that you can, that are very transportable from one company to the other. But also I think there's that, what is the message of your company? What, what are you trying to do? How are you going to market? That's very unique mm -hmm. to everybody. So, you know, unless you have a really strong team underneath that person who can bring that, I could see where marketing gets becomes more of a challenge. Or, um, we got to get this one in there. If you've had very strong process documentation for yeah. how you do things, 
if you have some really good, strong process documentation, mm-hmm. that especially in the very transactional areas like finance, because whether it's the CFO or whether it's the accounting clerk, if you've got desk procedures for how you close your books or how you book revenue or how you, um, you know, capitalize expenses, if you have a really solid set of desk procedures and that individual is familiar with gap accounting rules, they're going to be able to come in and be productive very fast. And I see that in several different areas. Marketing, again, the creativity side adds a whole different complexity uh, to the to the model. Mm-hmm. But, hey, can't argue process documentation anywhere you go. <laughs> the other thing I would I would recommend is I would not use a fractional in the parts of my business that I consider core to my business or my competitive advantage or the things that we do that make us who we are. Um, two reasons. One is you've got to really know those really well. The other is I don't want those to, dis- to be taken outside of the company necessarily yeah. and end up in a competitor's hands. I mean, you always have that risk and, and mm. you know, I think most fractionals are very ethical and they're going to behave the way they should. But those parts of your business that are core to who you are as an organization and make you successful, they really do deserve having somebody mm. fully committed full-time Um, working in those areas. Yeah, that's something we haven't, I feel like, quite touched on enough is is the risk aspect. Um, And you'll have to forgive my ignorance because I don't know whether, you know, these companies that are providing fractional C-suite roles have, you know, contracting in place that kind of makes you feel safe enough. Do you feel like you need to do more? What's your experience been? So mine has been, I mean, we have a contract in place and there's a confidentiality contract and, you know, protection of our, all of our information. So I'm not worried about that. And, and you hope that you hope, and if it's not, you need to take action that that CFO acts or fractional executive, whatever role acts with integrity. Right. Um, I, that risk doesn't bother me so much. There, there is the risk of um, they departing, right. So they move on. I don't know that that risk is any greater than, a full-time employee. Uh, look what's happening right now with the uh, whole COVID impact and with the great uh, resignation or whatever they're calling it. So I, I don't know that you have any less there, but you do want to know that, that in, there's a reason why that individual has chosen that career path. And how do you assure that they are getting a meaningful career opportunity and the job isn't becoming drudgery or, or negative for them? Right. Um, the, the other risk that you have and you've got to really pay attention to is how are they accepted into the organization? So for us, we make, he, he is the CFO. People report to him. Um, he has signing authority. He works with our board of directors and our finance committee. Um, he is the CFO. We have to work hard to get people to understand that. I mean, I, there was one individual that uh, thankfully is not with us anymore, but um, really sort of tried to undermine him a little bit because I think he saw him as temporary and part-time or part-time and I don't really have to listen to that person and after multiple conversations and corrections the individual just didn't see it that this right. was the right thing to do so the biggest risk I think is making sure that person can be successful in the organization and the organization accepts him and brings him or her in as a uh, part of the team. And, and can fulfill the role you've contracted with them to fill. Yeah, because they can't maximize their potential if they don't become part of the fiber and culture of the organization. 
Yeah. Um, you're going to sub-optimize what they can offer. And I think, Mercy, on the harder risk that one might think in terms of using a fractional CFO, uh, I think you have the same risks in on the hard side, you know, doing their job right, um, embezzling money, uh, not following the 990 on time. In our case, it's the 990. <laughs> um, or not, you know, filing proper payroll tax documentation. Whatever the, the, the piece is, whether it's a fractional CFO or whether it is a uh, full-time employee or part-time employee, uh, you're going to have those same risks. So organizationally, you better have your checks and balances mm. in place to make sure that those things happen. I think the contract also protects you on any intellectual property and and the ability to, to be able to safely open up the kimono, so to speak, uh, as you would with your own employee. But Bob's right. I would see the challenge being acceptance of those who feel like they are the real uh, AMP and that organ that individual is an outsider coming in on a temporary stint. And, mm. and, and that would be the legwork that I think leadership has to do for acceptance. And then I think the other one is, and it sounds like, Lisa, you ran into this with the marketing officer, as their business expanded, they have the time and attention to be able to give to your business and you're getting everything you need, or as the demands that you're, this is where, and this is sort of where we're at now and we're, we are coming up to a decision point. We've grown a lot and a lot of things have happened. And so we are reaching a point now where a full-time CFO, in fact, when our person started with us, it was three days a week and it's grown to four days a week. And there are some weeks where he's charging us five days a week because that's what the job is demanding. And so we have reached a place now where a full-time CFO is going to start to make sense mm. to us. And um, whether it's that individual and they stay with us um, or it's somebody different, I, I think that's still to be shaken out. But uh, your, your business is going to grow, hopefully. Uh, things are going to increase. Their business is going to grow and increase. And is there the capacity there to, to be successful? And it can sneak up on you, it, it on them and you, right? right. So you know, the next thing they know, they're missing their kids' events and they're working Saturdays and Sundays to get everything done. And their quality of life has started to deteriorate. Uh, you're not getting your reports on time. Uh, you're missing deadlines, uh, missing meetings. So those things start to, mm. yeah, not different than any other employee, by the way, that starts to become. Right. That's, that's scope creep. But in the fractional world, one of the reasons they go into the fractional world is to control that better. Yes. And so when that happens in a fractional role, uh, then they begin questioning, is this a place I want to place myself if these are the demands on me? So you can have turnover in that fractional mm. space if you're not careful. I think having a fractional individual in whatever C-suite role, you know, one layer below um, could help with scope creep because they're going to manage it when you don't. Uh, or, or they have the ability to manage it when you don't. A, 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 an employee that is full-time on your payroll is going to consider that job creep, uh, that bullet on their job description that says duties as otherwise expected and not push back uh, because they see that as a negative in their role where a fractional executive is going to say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. This really wasn't in my scope. Let's talk about what the implications of that is. You know, one, one of the things I would encourage anybody, and this little bit goes along with what Lisa just said, what I would encourage anybody who's looking to 
at the fractional model. When you bring the person on um, or you're interviewing, you have a unique opportunity um, for that person to speak honestly with you in truth and because the risk to them is less that full-time employees don't always get. At least I picked up on, as you said, they're going to speak truth to you. If you are chewing up more time than what is contracted, it is their job to say, hey, I'm 18 hours a week and you just use 23 hours. We got to adjust this. They're going to be more willing to speak truth. But you can take that across everything you do. So you can have somebody on your team who's going to say, you know what? The way you guys are doing things is a problem. And here's why. In a way that mm -hmm. an employee may be less willing or able to do. Um, because they know that this is a short-term engagement, or at least it was originally set up with that. So their risk is completely different. Um, and now you can shut that down really quick as a leader, just like you could shut anybody down. But you do have a opportunity as a leader to have somebody who um, can be a, a, a trusted consultant to you or advisor if you allow them to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So last question for you two, um, what, do you, what do you see in the future when it comes to this trend? It sounds like both of you are thinking about it maybe expanding a little down the org chart. Um, what other uh, things do you see in the future? Do you think there's anything that might make this trend start to reverse and, and people say, we don't want to do this anymore? You know, I'm, I'm personally struggling with exactly what the work model is going to look like in the future coming out of COVID. Uh, you know, you have remote work now is being accepted more broadly. Um, the great resignation, which we mentioned earlier, and people really rethinking the uh, what's important to them and, and how they bring value. Um, I, I do think that the potential for it's going to go up as companies have jobs and positions that they need to fill in the short term. Uh, it's a great Stop gap or a great way until you uh, to fill a space until you get the right person available. Um, I think it brings a quality of life for the individual that we talked about. I, I do think the remote work brings some interesting aspects to this. You know, you don't necessarily have to have the person sitting in the city where you're at, but I would really hesitate to guess of where it's going to go because I think there's some other, um, there are several things that are pushing to make it more acceptable. But I think there's some things that are pushing to make it less acceptable. I think as our, um, our governments start to figure out what do you do with the um, contracted workforce, you know, we've heard the stories of Uber drivers being treated, needed to be treated as full-time employees or the mm. UPS drivers and the government is looking at how taxing and uh, taxes will be applied and healthcare and all of that. I think that comes into play to this and it, it may discourage mm. this type of work. Um, I think as people start to understand um, what they want out of their careers, there may be fewer people who want to go fractional because it does have a, um, I have a good friend is a fractional program manager. So they work with the big oil companies and you know, two days a week, they're in one company and two days and they're doing these projects. Um, but she ends up putting in a lot of time just getting mentally prepared for the shift because the cultures are different and the, um, the work is so different and the way people interact and behave is so different. It's almost like a culture shock every week when she moves from one company to the other. So she's questioning whether or not this is a good experience for her or is there stability in 
So I think it sounds really good as an employee because uh, you you know, hey, two days a week with this company and this, and but it has its downside as well, mm. and it does create a level of stress. So I wouldn't even begin to guess where it's going to go as a as an industry or a profession. I do see more and more companies trying to offer it, and I think as more offer it, there'll be more people becoming aware of it, and it may make sense to their organization. I agree with Bob. I think coming out of the last 18 months, if organizations aren't examining their staffing model, uh, they should be. Uh, because right now is the most volatile time in my career from a staffing model perspective. So in, in line with that, a fractional uh, executive or fractional leadership role makes a whole lot of sense not only because of the change that is going on inside of a lot of organizations uh, based on the last 18 months, whether it's the place you work, whether it's the supply chain issues to get what you need to do your work, whether it's the fulfillment aspect, whatever it is, people are having to examine how they're getting work done today. Mm. And, and I think the staffing model has to play into that. Uh, but long-term, there's no telling, you know, what that's going to bring and and how how our world shakes out in terms of the future. So I think on the short term, you're going to see a lot more of it. I also think you're going to see more traditional type staffing roles looking at this as being an ideal model that they can branch their business into as they don't have candidates to fill all the roles, then they can, can take this as a new line of business in a traditional staffing model, and it would be an automatic bridge for them to additional uh, types of work. This tool in your toolbox, it is, um, it could work, and, and to not include it in your uh, strategy for staffing, I think would be a mistake. Uh, it's not right for every situation. It's not right for every organization. And, and, but it is an option that, that we all need right now as we're going through uh, assessing these uh, staffing models and where do we go. So I would, I would have no problem recommending to somebody to consider it and have it there. And even if you've got a new job, maybe talk to a couple people who would be fractional candidates and and hear what they have to say and see and select what is best for your organization. But just don't just set it aside or dismiss it because it's different. Right. Toolbox. Absolutely. Um, just one last little follow-up question, uh, because we did talk about a little bit about this, you know, kind of going a little bit further down. Um, and we know that there are firms offering, you know, kind of a, a, a stable of fractional C-suite roles. Um, do you feel like that's available, like as you to to you both as executives as you go further down? You know, do you feel like you have the same kind of um, ease of tapping into uh, fractional like manager level roles and such? I don't think the market has spread to that yet. Um, I think it, it because it it came in where a need was at the C suite level for all the reasons we've talked about today. Uh, but I see that as a next generation for that market. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. I, I would agree with that as well. And, and I, think, I think it's a bottom up and top down. I, I don't think it's found the middle, right? So there, there are, you know, Uber drivers and, and uh, 
positions like that, which are we would consider contract, but an op op actually they're fractional. Um, if you really think about it, they're fractional. Uh, and so you've got that uh, group of people, and then you've got the executive. I don't think it's found that it hasn't found the middle management level of organizations yet, but I don't know why it wouldn't over time. Absolutely. Which, and Marcy, Bob mentioned something uh, a little earlier in the conversation about uh, knowing where it's going to be and the regulatory aspect coming in uh, that could govern how this whole fractional plays out. One of the one of the ahas for me in the fractional model is that it is very clean today in terms of the regulatory requirements because the regulatory requirements for how someone considers uh, a contractor versus a full-time employee, one of the litmus tests on that is, is that they don't spend 100% of their time working for you and that they can demonstrate work and billable hours to others. And so the fractional model really stays very clean there. Now, what that means in terms of operationalizing it in, in our organizations, it's a whole payroll tax thing. It, 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 it works out to the payroll tax. And so the IRS really frowns on people that use what you would call fractional or contractors to fill a role, but really work for you 100% of the time and avoid paying payroll tax. That's a real no-no, and people frown on that. But the fractional model really... Um, protects against that for the individual and for the organization because by nature of the model they work for other organizations mm. yeah as long as they have other customers you're, you're good the other thing for us is we contracted so many hours a week but we're not directing their work hours or when they work those hours we're treating them just like we would any other executive they have a job to do and they need to accomplish that job and so I, one of the other litmus tests is, do you direct their work, right? So right. I, I don't direct my fractional CFO's work. He is responsible for getting the work done within the hours and raising the flag if he's not able to. But you know, some weeks it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, other weeks it's Tuesday, Thursday, depending on the meetings. Sometimes he's doing our work overnight or you know, over the weekend because he chooses to do that. Um, as long as the work gets done on time and with high quality, it's no different than any other executive. You you know you you hope you're not sitting there monitoring their eight to five and that they're at their desk um, working on this topic. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you guys both for coming on the pod. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us, and thanks for the work you do, Mercy. <laughs> thanks. Well, once again, I'm Mercy Harper. Thanks for listening to this APQC podcast. To learn more about our research, please visit apqc.org, and we hope you'll have a great rest of your day.